1: All right, Jim Nance, thanks for the intro there. And we have another big voice from sports. We talked about Jim Nance, but how about Bill Rosinski? Big-time radio voice. You've heard him over the years on ESPN Radio calling all the big college football action, NFL action. He was the former voice of the Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, and more importantly, you've heard him recently on PGA Tour radio calling every single shot from Dustin Johnson's win at the Tour Championship. He was in Dustin's groups, and of course, he interviewed DJ each day. We get into what he's seen behind the scenes, if you will, from Inside the Ropes with Dustin. What has he seen over the years, but also during the week as it progressed at the Tour Championship? What were his takeaways from talking to Dustin? And also just green reading, too. He gets into uh, Austin Johnson, uh, DJ's caddy, and about the kind of the things he's seen with them, spending a lot more time on the greens. We're going to get to this here with Bill Rosinski. So much good stuff. Of course, he's called the Super Bowl in the past. He's called so many big events in sports, football, basketball. This guy is uh, a perennial voice. You've heard him all over the place uh, over the years. Good guy, Bill Rosinski, and he's coming up here on Beyond the Clubhouse this week all right i'd like to welcome my next guest bill rosinski you've heard him on the radio for so many years espn radio college football play-by-play announcer uh atlanta falcons carolina panthers uh, now he's with compass media networks you hear him on pga tour radio as well and you heard him on dustin johnson's win this week tour championship bill how you doing man
0: Garrett it's great. There's a lot of formers in my resume. Former this, former that, but uh, still happy to be working in this day and age.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of former, I got to get into a little bit. We know the NFL starting this week. So I wanted to start with that. Um, You're going to be calling some of the action down. I think the Saints game. So what is your thought as we get into this COVID era? Is there a prediction on on what might happen with the NFL? Are they going to have to be extra careful so they don't have a shutdown four weeks in?
0: Well, unlike college football, I think the NFL can be pretty good on keeping players in a routine and in a safe environment, whether they're at practice or on the football field. They do have to be careful when they go home. But the good news is they're not going back to dorm rooms. And I don't think a lot of them are going out to bars at 2 and 3 in the morning. So I think <laughs> – and, and they've got uh, tests – that they can get results in, in a matter of minutes, which is key for them. And they're going to be testing, you know, a couple of times a week, especially before games. And if you're going to travel. So I'm very optimistic that the NFL is going to, you know, play their games. It's, I'm sure they're going to have some issues. There's, there's going to be positive tests and that's why they've expanded some of the rosters. You know, Garrett, I remember back to when the PGA tour came back, and I was at Hilton Head at the RBC Heritage when they announced on Friday that Nick Watney had tested positive. And there was this, I don't know how to describe it. There wasn't a hush because there was no one on the, on the grounds anyway, but there was just this, Oh dear. Uh, was this a good idea coming back and how many more? And then we went to Hartford the next week. And then you had Kepka's caddy tested positive. Somebody had Webb Simpsons, you know, Webb had to pull out. And I remember seeing all these articles about, oh, we better shut this down. A lot of the golf writers, yep, this isn't a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. But Jay Monahan had a plan. Uh, it worked to perfection. And we saw that you know come to a conclusion uh, uh, this weekend at the Tour Championship in Atlanta. So I think, I think the NFL, to answer your, your question, I think we're good. You never know with this, especially when you get into the cold weather again. But I'm optimistic, and I've always been the glass half full type of guy.
1: Yeah, very positive, upbeat guy. Actually, that's probably why we're friends. I've seen you, obviously, I think the last time was Bay Hill, and I've seen yeah. you at so many majors over the years. I'm thinking of British Opens in the past, U.S. Opens. I want to ask you not to pick your favorite child here, but let's <laughs> let, let's do something like that. What are a couple of your favorite calls you've had? You've covered golf since 2009, over a decade. What are a couple of your favorite moments and calls covering the game of golf, Bill?
0: Well, I think uh, whenever I tell anybody, uh, when I'm asked that question about my career in general, because I've been the voice of a couple NFL teams, the top thing I've ever done in my life to me is broadcast the Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers, when I was their voice back in 2003 season, they went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots, like everybody else seems to do. And uh, that would always be number one. But the next two on my list are golf. And number two is that that the Open, that weekend between Stenson and Mickelson. I had both of them on Saturday for ESPN Radio, and then Doug Bell and I split it up. I picked Mickelson to go with on that Sunday. Dougie picked uh Stenson and he eventually won the golf tournament but that I mean just the it was down to two guys over the last 18 holes and it was a slugfest some guy'd make a shot next guy'd make a putt I will remember that for the rest of my life uh and then the the number three thing on my list is the year before at the Open Championship at St. Andrews because that was the year you might recall that Jordan Spieth won the first two majors so here we are at the Open Championship that was a Monday finish because it wasn't so much because of the uh, rain they had, but the winds were just nasty on Sunday. So they finished on Monday. And I had Jason Day and Jordan Spieth in the last group. So I'm walking with them all 18 holes. And Jordan sinks a 60-footer at 16 to take the lead. Or actually, I think he tied for the lead at that point. So yeah, I'm with, with Zach going, Johnson, you're correct. He's going to the road hole. He's going to par that. He's going to 30-18. He's going to win the third major of the year. Well, that didn't happen. He bogeyed the road hole, couldn't make birdie at 18, and he was done. And then, as you said, Zach won it in that three-way playoff. So, uh, And then as far as individual calls, um, I remember – this is kind of funny, but uh, when Steve Stricker won the John Deere for the third time, uh, he had to birdie 18. He had a great – he hit the fairway bunker, and then he hit the shot. He was just off the green to the right. He could use his putter. And he snakes in this long putt off the green to win the tournament. And he's – crowd's going crazy. And then, you know, I, I said he won the golf tournament. And then I paused for a second. And I said, nobody plays the John Deere like Steve Stricker. And it goes off the old John Deere. Nothing runs like a deer. So I got – and I, I've had people comment about that call. I, I get – you know, the guys I work with on the, on the broadcast, uh, you know, comment about it. Uh, So those are some of the things I remember about the tour and, uh, you know, calling golf shots. I could have thought this, you know, I've been doing this for 11 years. And if you had told me 12 years ago, Bill, you're going to be calling golf shots on the radio. I would have said, what are you talking about? But if anybody's heard it, uh, I think it's a great product. It's a great production to listen on the radio to what the organ, you know, what the tour does to produce this and to get it out there every week for four days. Uh, I think it's uh, it's one of the best things on radio.
1: Yeah, well. You, you mentioned the Open Championship 2015. That was a special one for me. I was lucky to cover Tom Watson's final Open. It was uh, that Friday night at 10.30 they finished. Ernie Els forced the officials. No, this is a legend. We have to finish. That was such an amazing moment. Of course, Zach winning. I was writing for his hometown paper. So for me, it was a special place, special time. And I'm glad you had those moments covering Spieth and Day. Those guys were really mm-hmm. preeminent players in 2015 when we think about that year, Bill. A preeminent player right now, Dustin Johnson, no question. You just covered and called his rounds there at the Tour Championship. What do you take away from that?
0: How uh, how good he can be when he's not hitting fairways. He only hit two on the, in the second round. i got to get my days right because it was a Monday finish, and we're so used to saying Thursday, Friday. So it was on Saturday, the second round. The guy hits two fairways and still shoots 70. Uh, he comes back the next day and lit it up. And then he started in the final round. Remember, he got off. He had three birdies early. He kept that distance from the field. There were a bunch of guys. You know, JT was making a run. John Rahm was trying to make a run. Shoffley was hanging in there. And he made those three birdies. And then all of a sudden, he lost it again. Couldn't find a fairway. Made a couple of bogeys. His resilience, I think. And as you know, and as golf fans know, the guy looks the same. Whether if he made a hole-in-one or he made a seven on a par three. It's just like. There's no, like, real emotion. He gave a fist pump when he made birdie at uh, – when he made the birdie at 18 on Sunday to get back to even par, and he gave it the little fist pump, and that's the most emotion you'll ever see out of the guy. He has incredible game. Uh, the big difference I've seen in DJ over the last, let's say, five years from the time he was not winning the U.S. Open and getting in the hunt and other tournaments to what he's doing now is a short game. His short game is much better. He wasn't great out of the bunkers last week, but – with the wedge in hand, uh, even out of the rough, this guy can get it close to the flag. And then he's, he's – now, to some, some people don't like this, but he and his brother take a long time now looking at putts. If you go back to Chambers Bay at the U.S. Open, when he had that uh, eagle putt to win it, and then he had like a five-footer to tie it, and then he finally made the last putt to lose it to Jordan Spieth, I think if you watch the video of that, the whole three-putt segment took like a minute and a half. He takes a minute and a half now to line up a five-footer sometimes because he and his Austin. brother, yeah, they're really involved, and, and it's paid off for him. I mean, he he putted great uh, this past weekend. So uh, he, I'm surprised he wasn't the player of the year, but I can see JT, why they picked him because of the season he had. And I just love, I love the Twitter debate after the tournament that that shouldn't count as a win. You know, Shoffley had the best round, or he and JT, whatever it was. It was like, hey – DJ earned those 10 shots he got going into that tournament. That was like round 1, 30 some weeks was round 1, and then he ended up playing, you know, ended up winning the thing. So, kudos to him.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty impressive display. To me, it showed a lot that he added that to his resume. FedEx Cup. I know you asked him about that in your in the post-round interview, filling that gap and adding that to his resume. What do you think this says now about Dustin? Like, is he a perennial favorite pretty much everywhere he plays because of how hot he is right now?
0: Oh, definitely. Now, if he plays the U.S. Open with the fairways like he did at uh, Tour Championship, I don't think he's got a chance. (laughs) If you're going to hit two fairways (laughs) at the U.S. Open in a round, you're probably going to shoot like 79 or 80. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's to me, he's a Hall of Famer already. He's got a major. He's got a Tour Championship. He's got 23 career wins, and that's a better record than some people who have made it to the Hall of Fame. So, uh, you know, and, and he's doing this in his mid-30s. He's doing it now with uh, a wife. Well, he's got uh, – I don't think he's married yet. That might not – Not officially, not, actually, no, yeah. not officially married. So he's got a mate, and he's got kids. And he's doing all this, and he's got his brother on his bag. I mean, this guy uh, – going into any tournament, Garrett, he's got to be one of the favorites. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I do have to ask this because I've asked John
1: Feinstein and other people about this as well. He's the only player, first player ever, to blow four 54-hole leads in a major championship. Remember, when he won at Oakmont in 2016 to exercise all those major demons, Shane Lowry was the 54-hole leader. So I know I'm getting into real deep stats here, but still, the fact that no one's ever blown four leads through three days in the biggest events, the majors, what do you make of that with Dustin?
0: Well, I think some of it's pressure. I think some of it's just bad luck. I remember the first U.S. Open I covered, which was for ESPN Radio, was 2010 at Pebble. And he had the lead there. And it just disintegrated because I was—I think I had Tiger that day. Uh, and I was just kind of walking around the golf course with him. And Tiger made a little mini run, I think, at one point, but he was never in the picture. But I kept hearing in the play-by-play in my ear what was going on with DJ. And it started at the first hole. I look at that as one, okay, he didn't finish the deal, but two, like how many seconds did Jack Nicholas have? How many times did Nicholas not finish the deal? I don't know what his lead percentage was. I have no idea what that was. But to put himself in that position, to be leading a golf tournament, a major championship after 54 holes, says a lot about how good he is.
1: Definitely and we're talking about Dustin you've been able to spend some time I know when, when you do interview him it's only for a few minutes and you, you don't get a ton of time with him but over the years what have you gleaned from him when you've seen him in the in a couple minutes getting ready for an interview or afterwards what have you kind of gleaned from him and and some of his personality that maybe golf fans might not know already
0: well, his interviews are just like watching him play golf <laughs> I mean uh, he, he doesn't anticipate questions i don't think and he gives you an honest answer and i'll, I'll i think he's a better interview now than he was when uh, i first started interviewing him probably in the mid to to in the mid two teens whatever it was that 14 15 whatever it was and i think he's more uh, media savvy and eventually you know i asked him because i thought the turning point in the round on Monday was when he made that 20-footer at 13 for uh, that par. He made that 20-footer because he and Shoffley were both both butchered their chip shots, and you know uh, Xander had made a couple of birdies in a row. DJ wasn't playing well, and he makes this 20-footer for par. And that ball was moving. That ball was—if that had missed the hole, that might have run by 10 feet. So I asked him after, and I thought that was the key. And uh, so I asked him after, in that interview, I said, so tell me about the putt at 13. I said, that, that was really a, an aggressive stroke. The ball was moving. And he thought, he, he gave me the answer of what he was thinking when he hit the putt. And then he goes, you know what? That was the key to my winning the golf tournament because I made the par there. came hit a great shot at 14. Got it down the fairway, made par there, had a good birdie look. And then, you know, 15, that par three over 230 yards, that's a nightmare just off the tee. And he was able to have a birdie look there. And he suddenly, he suddenly realized, you know what? That was the shot that won the golfer. I don't think he thought about it. And then finally, during the during his answer, he goes, yeah, you're right. So, uh, But all in all, he's a better interview now than he was five, six years ago.
1: Bill, he needs to add you to his PR team. I mean, you're, you're, you're helping him with the biggest moments. <laughs> um, I got to ask you, though, as we look at the finish there, Tour Championship the season, season's done. And now we get into the next season, of course, it's going to start. In Napa what do you think of the US Open being the next major next week what are your thoughts of a player that might stick out I know we talked about Dustin but but is there a player in your mind that sticks out
0: well I think you have to go to the group we saw this past weekend I would say Justin Thomas uh, Xander Shoffley. is Rory there I'm not so sure I don't know where the mind is now he's a new dad and You could see the inconsistencies in his game. Sometimes he had some great shots over the weekend in Atlanta, and then sometimes he just didn't have it going. And then John Rahm. Uh, This guy is a player. I like his emotion. And I think he's another one of these guys. You know, Seve was his idol, and he could be a fiery guy like Seve was, but he can also pull off golf shots like Seve could. And I think that's what you're going to have to do at a U.S. Open. You're going to get into trouble. You're going to have to shake off a bogey or double bogey and just say, okay, I'm time to the next hole. I think Rom's the type of guy that if he makes a double bogey, that'll jack him up more and he'll be aggressive on the next hole. So those are the, you know, the typical names, as they said in Casablanca, round up the usual suspects, and I would do that for the U.S. Open. Yeah, classic movie
1: reference. We're going to get to a favorite movies in just a minute. I wanted to ask you, though, about, you mentioned Rory being a new dad. Of course, you've been a family man for so long. You've had, um, let's see, you had your wife out on tour covering so many <laughs> events, you know, filming your interviews just over the years. How have you been able to work the the work-life balance, uh, work and family life balance, and, and, and just obviously be successful?
0: Well, yeah, thank you. I, um, you know, it, the, our kids are grown. We raised two sons. And uh, the oldest is now 41, and uh, then the younger one is 37. So now we have grandkids. In fact, uh, you know, this week I'm heading down to Atlanta. My, uh, our grandson down there is a freshman in high school. He's going to play his first football game this week. So we're going down to see that. So we're uh, – it's the reason we don't have a dog. I would love to have a dog. But, but Jane and I are never home between the PGA Tour – working some events for Sirius XM, golf, and then the football and basketball schedule that I have with Compass, that I had with ESPN and now with Compass, uh, we travel a lot. But we're fortunate that the kids are grown, the grandkids are great, so we can take off uh, for five or six days. For example, we're going to, I've got two golf tournaments coming up. I just found out the other day that we're going to uh, the uh, Dominican Republic for uh, Punta Cana, and then I already known I was going out to Vegas for the first tournament out in Las Vegas, the Shriners Hospital. So, you know, we'll go out and cover the golf tournament. And then, hey, why not stay in Vegas for three three more days on our own uh, and, and do that? So it's been uh, – that's the type of life we lead. It's been great. And then the tour – I'll tell you what, Garrett. The tour has enabled me – I was never a big traveler. I'd never gone – first time I ever went overseas was to do one of those NFL uh, games that they played at Wembley. And I did that twice, but golf has taken me to uh, five British Opens, so I've been to England and Scotland. I was in Bermuda last year for the golf tournament there. We get to go to the Dominican Republic, uh, and then you know Palm Springs, San uh, Diego—you name it. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's it's been a great life. Uh, I we really enjoy traveling together, and you know Jane drives my cart uh, when we're out on the golf course. She's my statistician for football. So it's just been you know a lot of fun and we hope it can keep continuing
1: That's a great balance I've noticed is in the seven or eight years I've seen you on the on the tour it's it's been a cool to see Jane out there as well and I obviously want to ask you now rapid fire questions you mentioned Casablanca so I want to get into what are a couple of your favorite movies bill
0: Well you know I'm, I'm, I, I can watch. Major League or Major League 2, anytime it's on, just flip it on, I'll watch. I've never been a big Caddyshack fan, but I always enjoyed Tin Cup. I think Tin Cup's a pretty good golf movie. And I'm going to age myself here, but on Turner Classic Movies last week, Ben Hur was on with Charlton Heston. That's four hours. But if you watch that, I remember going to the theater to see it when it came out way back when, and watch that chariot race. And that movie was made in 1959 and watch it and see how good the cinematography was, the acting was without, you know, all the, you know, the computer stuff that you can do these days. They had to do that physically. And I just, you know, it's movies like that that I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, great entertainment. of course, uh, Masala, of course, the bad guy in that movie getting- Stephen Boyd. Stephen Boyd, yeah, (laughs) getting uh, all the stunts with the horses, getting run over by horses. I mean, it's so hard to fake that. It is to do that now it's different. But what about a Netflix series when you're on the road with Jane? Like, is there a Netflix series you guys really like?
0: Well, we don't, we don't subscribe to Netflix. We are Amazon prime though. There you go. And I'll tell you what, the, uh, we've really enjoyed Bosch. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's, it's about a police detective in Los Angeles. Uh, I, we just finished, finished three seasons of Goliath with, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh my goodness. That was, it got better each year. Uh, And I'm trying to, and we, and there's this comedy on uh, Amazon Prime called Life in Pieces. And it's about, it's it's James Brolin, Diane Weiss. And it's about their, their uh, one daughter and two sons and their families. And it's like each, it's like 22 minutes and it's like five minute skits. And it's hilarious. It's amazing how they come up with this stuff. Sounds like really good storytelling, man. Um, what about music, though? In
1: the, in the car, on your iPhone or iPod, what, what comes to mind with a couple uh, musicians?
0: Depends on the mood, uh, but Frank Sinatra has always been my go-to guy. Uh, the Reprise years, if you're familiar with Sinatra, he was with Capitol for a long, long time, and then he started his own label. And if you think of those Reprise albums in the 60s, you can put on Live at the Sands with Count Basie and just listen to that time and again. Now, if I'm in a different mood in the car, uh, it's Yacht Rock Radio. <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, Steely Dan, I, I could get into Steely, I could listen to Steely Dan a lot. Uh, I, I like pop music. Uh, but the go to, if I had my one pick, who can you look if, if there was like one guy you could listen to or a group, it would be Frank.
1: I got to ask you, you're such a sports guy. Uh, You mentioned the Super Bowl being one of the great moments in your career, but is there one sports event that just you're always going to remember to your dying day?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, Obviously, the Super Bowl we lost. I was at a couple of – I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I'm a Bills fan. I was actually at a couple of Super Bowls where they, they lost four in a row. It's it's amazing you you, you remember those. <laughs> those Sorry to remind like, you. <laughs> right. Those stick out like a sore thumb. I I got to think back. Uh, geez, I remember the first time I ever. I worked for UPI Radio back in the '80s, early '80s, before I went to what was Mutual and then became Westwood One. And the first big event I ever covered was 1981. I covered the World Series between the Yankees and Dodgers, and I was able to travel. Uh, and, and UPI Radio back then, it's like AP now, where you, you would do a lot of interviews, and you were sending those interviews to affiliates all over the country, and you would do updates during the game, stuff like that. So I traveled from, uh, and I was living outside New York at the time, and I was a, I grew up a Yankee fan. So here I am covering the Yankees in the World Series, and I'm in the locker room, and there's Reggie Jackson and Luke Piniella and all these guys. And of course, the Dodgers back then, Lasorda was the manager, and they had Rick Monday and Garvey and Ron Say and all, all these other guys. So uh, that, I'll never forget that because the first time I covered anything nationally that was, you know, the, the big event that it was. Yeah, sounds
1: like a big stage, obviously. You know, being from New York, I can, I can understand that. I'll wrap up with this. When you do play a little bit of golf, I know you live in Charlotte, but what are some of the courses that you really have enjoyed playing over the years in the Carolinas?
0: Well, I've actually played Pinehurst. uh, Actually, number two is okay. I thought number two was okay, but I'm trying to remember. It might have been four. I can't remember which one I play. I'm going, well, this is a nice track. I like this better than two. And between you and me, I thought they butchered that golf course the last time the U.S. Open was there. That was absolutely embarrassing. It was like being out in the desert. It's like going to Chambers Bay. You're going to Seattle, and you're thinking, ah, oh, green, big trees, and like one tree, and the and the ground was brown. What, remember, I mentioned that watch DJ putt at 18. Look at the when you look at the green, he's putting on. You're, like, you're trying to change the the, the the tone and the tint on the, like. What was that? So anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, but I played Pinehurst a couple of times. I, I have had the opportunity to play uh, Quail Hollow. Uh, you know, site of the Wells Fargo Championship, but we have some cute courses, and, and I've actually played uh, uh, down in, at uh, at the RB where they play the RBC Heritage down oh, there. Hilton Head, yeah, yes, yeah, so I, I, I've played uh, that golf course, uh, Sea Times. so uh, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of cool tracks in North Carolina, and even some of the other clubs here in Charlotte are just they're really nice. People don't talk about them because you got the private memberships and all that, and I've been able to play them once in a while, just being. When I was the voice of the Panthers, I, you know, played charity events and stuff like that. So, uh, but those are some of the courses that stick
1: out to me. Great stuff. Bill, enjoyed having you come on Beyond the Clubhouse and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. You got Vegas, you got a few uh, cool stops coming up. So good luck to you, man.
0: Yeah, very good, Garrett. Anytime, thank you.
1: All right, well, my thanks to Bill Rosinski. And, yes, it's been a record day. I've interviewed three people in about a three-hour stretch. Started with John Feinstein this morning and then went with uh, James Hahn right after that. And, of course, Bill Rosinski here this afternoon. So, hey, it's great, man. I I love visiting with people. Hey, everybody's connected to golf, so that's uh, the big key here. Hey, if these weren't golf people, I would have zero to talk about with them. So, as uh, Matt Haggerty, a producer of the Golf Channel, once told me, like, wait, you have friends who don't golf? Like, is that even possible? That's one thing he's asked uh, a friend of his. Um, and, and that's how it is with some of us. It's it's a game we love, and, and it connects a lot of us. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode. I think Bill was really insightful about Dustin Johnson, what he's seen recently, of course, at the Tour Championship, being the biggest, most recent thing Bill has seen him at. And think about the access. As a PGA Tour radio member, he's spent so much time Inside the ropes and hearing just the little nuances in between shots, walking to the next tee. I mean, Bill has really spent a lot of time around Dustin and some of these stars, so there's a lot of experience he brings uh, when he talks about golf right now. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it, and you can follow me again on Twitter at Johnston Garrett, uh, Beyond the Clubhouse at Beyond Clubhouse, of course on Instagram at Garrett Johnston Golf. Keep bringing the questions. I, I really enjoy the, uh, getting to some of them and obviously I, I think the the hosts enjoy that too. So love to keep that included here in these upcoming episodes. Hope you guys get a chance uh, to listen to Feinstein coming up here. Uh, I'm going to drop that right before the U S open uh, next week. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this one. Bill Rosinski was great. He's a consummate professional and a great balance with his work and family life uh, for so many years. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Again, Facebook being the last way you can follow the show beyond the clubhouse. And of course, Garrett Johnson on Facebook as well. Let's uh, keep the questions coming when you get to them. I think there's some, some good guests coming up. And I think you guys are going to enjoy as especially as we get into the majors and, and it's some big time discussion. I'm going to try to talk to some past us open champions as well uh, as we get into us open. The week. So always enjoy it. I hope you guys are having fun and we'll talk to you again soon here on beyond the clubhouse.